Hey, welcome to the Road Sermon Podcast Series, where today we're going to dive into the heart of Micah. Pastor Matthew invites us to consider the connection between faith and action. Join us on this insightful journey as we dive into a lesson from Micah and discover the importance of doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with God. Let this episode inspire and transform your faith journey. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for weekly updates. It is good to be in the house. Uh, came this close to buying a cowboy hat at the fairgrounds over the weekend. I wish I would have done that. Man, get her done. It's so good to be in the house. I love getting to come and worship with every single one of you. Thank you for being here. Um, I have loved our sermon series that we were doing on spiritual warfare. Many of you came up and spoke to me about that. Um, although that's done. You hear what I'm saying? This man was really good. I loved it. Uh, today we're kind of transitioning of sort. We're going to take a break from a series and talk about the book of Micah. The book of Micah, we actually start that in our Bible reading plan tomorrow. So I wanted to kind of give us an overview of Micah this morning. Uh, next week we begin a parenting series here, okay? Uh, many of you reach out and talk about how helpful and, much, and how much you love our parenting series, and we start that next week. But for this week, we are in Micah. Um, we're going to look specifically at Micah chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, Micah chapter 6. This week, we will not read in Micah chapter 6. Some of you know and commented about kind of how we're jumping around a little bit. And uh, we're not reading that this week, but I wanted to make sure I pointed out. And the reason that I wanted to talk about Micah chapter 6 is this text is very, very, uh, it means a lot to me. It's very special. It is, this is not the message, although this is the scripture that I preached at my dad's funeral. And so again, when I say it's special to me, it's special to me that uh, I have looked at this a lot. And uh, I am excited to be in Micah this Week. Let me go ahead and tell you our title for today's message, and I'll give you our truth, and then we're going to just jump in to God's Word together. The title today, and this is the most creative I could get, okay? A lesson from Micah. <laughs> A lesson from Micah. Um, here's our, our truth. Our actions reveal our belief. Our actions reveal our belief. Let me pray for us, and we're going to dig into God's Word together. Lord Jesus, we love you. We're just so thankful for your grace and your mercy. God, I just love the fact that not only do you speak to us, but you love to meet with us. And uh, God, you are meeting with us now. You are present. You are here. And God, I pray that as we continue to lean into your Word, that your Spirit would just run amok. You would prepare our hearts and our minds, Lord, that we wouldn't just come and hear a message but, Lord, that we would embody your word, and, Lord, that we would apply your word. For, God, it's not known truth that changes us. It's applied truth. And so, God, help us to not only hear your word today, but to apply it. Holy Spirit, have your way this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The book of Micah. Micah was a prophet about 700 years before Jesus. Uh, just to be clear for us, prophets 
weren't these guys that were, I picture like, you know, the Wizard of Oz and Dorothy runs off and she finds the little wagon and my man's over here in the crystal ball looking and peering in. No, 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 that's not what prophets were. Sometimes that's what we think of prophets. They're looking at these crystal balls, but no, prophets were more like an interventionist with an addict. Okay, and here's what they did is they knew God's word. And then when the people of God and the word of God didn't seem to line up, they would speak into the situation and help God's people repent and begin to live in accordance with God's will. Are you guys with me? So again, a a prophet is someone who knew a lot about God's word, was close in the relationship with the Lord. And they would peer out over their their family, over the community, over the nation, if you will. And then they would speak into that when it didn't seem to line up. It's important, I hope that you know this, for our actions to be in alignment with our belief. When our actions aren't in alignment with our belief, we have a lot of confusion. And then people are beginning to question what is it really about Jesus that's so special? Why should they give their life to Jesus? Why would I want to be a part of this movement? I'm confused. When our actions and our belief don't align, it causes confusion. And and prophets, again, spoke into the life of the people to help the people's actions be in alignment with God's word. Uh, An interventionist with an addict. So let me ask you a question. I don't need you to raise your hand, but just think about it. Do you need a spiritual intervention? That's what we're talking about today. A spiritual intervention. Micah is intervening into the life of the people to let them know that God didn't give a rip, how about this, about their worship services, their church buildings that they had and the new church buildings that they're building, right? They don't, he didn't give a rip about their awesome music, maybe even their eloquent, passionate prayers. If, listen to me, the word of God didn't change who they are during the week. Amen. If what they were doing on the weekend looked different than what was going on on Tuesday, God didn't give a rip about what he was seeing. That's all Micah. This is what Micah is saying to the people. There is some actions and belief that don't align, and we got to pull together. Um, Micah is basically a warning of judgment against Samaria and Judah for, we could say, their duplicitous heart. I'm convinced that the reason that the book of Micah is in our Bible is because we too today, not just like they did then, but today we deal with and wrestle with a duplicitous heart. Um, Think about this for just a minute. Um, How many times have we confessed allegiance to Jesus and then our actions prove otherwise? That's duplicitous heart. Um, And if you say that's you then listen, this is your intervention. Dual devotion. You love God, but you also love X. We could think of it as having multiple idols in our life. And this is the tension we wrestle with. In scripture, we love God, but we also love a lot of other things that if we're not careful, listen to me very carefully, if we're not careful, 
our love for other things can catch up with or even surpass our love for the Lord. And Micah's writing to a group of people where their love of things, materialism, and and other idols have caught up and surpassed their devotion to Jesus. So God, through Micah, confronts the people using the image of a courtroom. Now, let me ask you a question. Does anybody like watching court TV? Anybody like that? Um, My family, we like watching Judge Judy. You know what I mean? That's just who we like. And, and the more she can tell people they're idiots, the more we love it. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, that's just, a, that's just where it is, okay? I'm uh, just being honest with you. And so, and so essentially what this is, is, is this is an, an entire drama courtroom being unveiled where, again, we've got God. God is, uh, Jesus is the plaintiff. The defendants are God's children. Micah is the judge. And they're beginning to unfold because we've got this picture here painted for us so that we can understand how we can now live with a single focus to Jesus and how we can change our family as a result. Because listen, if we're living with a duplicitous heart, we're confusing everybody. But if we have a, a sole focus on the Lord and our actions align. It creates clarity, listen, that leads to transformation. So here we go. This is the first three verses of Micah chapter six. Stand up, plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. Verse three, my people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Jesus says, God says, answer me. Now I want to sum this up. God opens the court by asking the questions. Why are you the way you are? What have I done to you that you will continually go against my will and my word? Maybe he could ask us those same questions. I mean, after all God has done for us, why do we continue to not be sold out to him? And and why do we get so distracted by so many other things? I mean, after the goodness of God, and we sang about that just a few minutes ago, I mean, after all that goodness that he has, why, why do we still have a duplicitous heart? Why do we say we love God and do not obey him fully? Jesus said to Peter, if you love me, obey me. (laughs) Our actions reveal our belief. I wrote this in your notes and I, uh, I hope you see that there. We don't really love Jesus if our lives don't prove it by our obedience. So let me ask you a question. Does your life, your words and actions prove you love Jesus? If they don't, then you don't. This is the intervention. Are you guys with me? Uh, In my study for this series that we were just in on spiritual warfare, um, one of the things that I got sucked into and I thought was really fun just to to read a lot about it was this concept called stolen valor. Anybody heard about stolen valor? Uh, stolen valor is when someone who is not in the military poses to be mil- by military by wearing essentially a military uniform. And they show up at different places wearing this military uniform, hoping that they get some benefits of being in the military. And some people know you go to a certain restaurant, you got your uniform on, you're going to get a 10 or 15, 20% discount. Praise God. You hear what I'm saying? And so what they do is they show up in their uniform posing as a warrior when in fact they are not. 
And here's what we see in the local church is we got a lot of people showing up. And they look like they're a Christian. But in fact, they are not. They are living with stolen valor. Let me get back to verse 3. In verse 3, it becomes apparent that Israel has been complaining about God. Listen uh, for the pain, if you will, in God's voice as he starts asking his people, what have I done to you? Again, what have I done that you don't want to live with devotion to me? What have I done to hurt you? How have I burdened you? What is it that I've done that's really, that's pushed you away? What have I done that you don't want to have to do with me like I want to do with you? What have I done? And I mean, we can be quick to judge Israel here, if you will. I mean, how could they dare act like God has done something wrong to them? Well, how could they dare act like God has burdened them? But if we really think about our own lives, then we could probably see consciously or subconsciously how many of us kind of live with that same mindset. I mean, God, why didn't you act faster in that? Lord, why didn't you save my marriage? Why didn't you intervene with my spouse? When this happened with my child, why didn't you come through? Why do all these bad things seem to be happening? And so God continues to lean into the children of Israel and he begins to now build on the fact that they can trust him. Listen to what they say. Verse 4, I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I, I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. Now let me ask you a question. Has God been good to you? I'm not asking if life's been easy, but when you think about God, has he been good? I know we're not taught to look back in life. I mean, after all, we're, we're given the example, and I, th- I love the example that the, that the front window in a car is bigger than the rearview mirror, you know what I'm saying? But, but we have to be careful here because we, we've got to look back. Because sometimes things don't make sense until you look back. And so what God is doing for the people, although he's meaning and intending for them to move forward, is that for, in order for them to remember things right, they got to look back and assess what he's actually done. And so what we see is that the children of, God, of Israel were thinking, now, hey, look what Aaron and Moses did. And God said, no, 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 I did that. Look what Balaam's donkey did. No, 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 I did that. And so God's reminding them and showing them how faithful he is. So in typical fashion, he gives them three examples. This is how faithful God is. He gives them three examples. The first reminder is what took place in Exodus. Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. The Israelites groaned under slavery. They cried out. God heard their groaning, answered them by giving them leadership. Okay, essentially what it was. And God chose Moses Aaron and Miriam as the leaders to deliver his people. And how many of us can say that there has been a time in my life when someone I knew came to me and helped me with the situation?
promotion. Anybody can say that? That somebody stepped in in my life at some point and led me out or showed me the way. This is what God is saying to the children of Israel. Listen, when someone came into your life and helped you, it wasn't them, it was me. Um, God has delivered them in miraculous and powerful ways through tangible means, his people. Here's example number two. It's uh, God's protection and deliverance of the count of Balak and Balaam in Numbers 22 through 24. Remember the story? I mean, uh, it begins with Israelites are camped um, in the plains of Moab, close to the promised land. Balak, the king of Moab, was afraid of Israel, and so he, he wanted this sorcerer to come and like cast a spell, and so he hires Balaam, and, and Balaam is riding his little donkey over there to try to help them, and in the meantime, this donkey stops. You remember this? And, and he's not able to go forward, and although Balaam didn't see this angel, the, 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 the donkey then detours off of the path and then stops. Can I just ask you a question? How many times have you been driving in a car and there's been a detour and you get mad about it? And you're ready, how about this? And you're ready to beat somebody over the derail and the detour and the detainee of what just happened. The credit card's not going through and you're mad as a hornet. And God's saying, listen, it's not the donkey. It's not the detour, it was me. I was protecting you. God has delivered them in miraculous and powerful ways through tangible means as creation. And then God furthers it up and he says, let me tell you another example. God's deliverance is the journey from Shittim to Gilgal, which leads them into the promised land. It's in Joshua 3 and 4. Here they are going to the, the Jordan River. And it's another account where God actually holds back this, this river. I mean, it was at flood stage and and they were all concerned because they, how are they going to get to the promised land? And as soon as the people put their foot in the water, the, the water backs up and now they're able to cross. And it was such a miraculous event. Literally, the prophet said, hey, why don't you grab some rocks and let's build this little monument over here to remind ourselves of the faithfulness of, of God. And can I just say this for all of us? How many times have we been doing something and, and somehow the miraculous, something that didn't even make sense happened And now we're able to continue on to what God's asking us to do. It was a miracle that it took place. And, and, and God has delivered the people. He's showing them in miraculous and powerful ways through tangible means, nature. Now listen to this. This is what's so incredible. Micah reminds the people of these three specific events of God's faithfulness. Now this is what's interesting is that somehow the children of Israel didn't remember all that. Um, they thought Moses or Joshua did it. But again, God's saying, no, 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 no. Listen, it was me. This is key. Why didn't they know? Um, and here it is. No one had told them it was God. Why didn't the children of Israel realize, I mean, uh, these incredible stories that we're privy to, and they all, why didn't they know? Because no one had told them. And can I just say this to you, grandparents and great-grandparents? There's been some miraculous things that's happened in your life. And your great-grandkids and your grandkids won't know them unless you tell them. And if we're not careful, the things that you experienced that was so transformational will be explained away in future generations because they will be, have failed to be pointed to the fact that it was God all along. Do you realize in our sermon, you, you may not know, I can't remember if we told you this or not, in our war series, we were, we were talking about 
having someone come and actually talk with us. And we got and talk about spiritual warfare. And, and, and it was interesting as we talked with them, what had been so transformational in their life then, they began to explain away now. And this is what happens to us. And this is why our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids and future generations won't know is because if we're not careful, we will explain away the miraculous that God has done that has changed our lives. Um, are you letting your friends and family know just how good God is? This is in your notes. Let me just say this. We serve a faithful God that works in and through anyone and anything he chooses to care for us, his people. We just read in our Bible reading plan, remember King Cyrus? I mean, he was a pagan king. Look how much God used him. And, and I bet if you think about it, God has come through for you in unique ways. Maybe through even an unbeliever. But again, if you don't pass that information on, nobody will know. Welcome to the intervention. Let's keep reading. Micah sarcastically voices the words of the people of Israel. I mean, God has shared with them, all this with me. I'm protecting you. I'm caring for you. And now the, the children of, of Israel are, are frustrated and they're, 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 they're just angry with God. They don't know what to do except bicker and complain. This is what they, what they say. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? I, listen, I'm going to be honest. The children of Israel frustrate me, okay? God's been so faithful to them, and yet here they are whining and complaining because they think they don't understand the grace and the goodness and the mercy and the love of our Father. Um, God has essentially asked the question, why won't you be faithful and obedient to me? He's asked us the question, why won't you be faithful and obedient to me? And the children of Israel essentially answered, well, y'all can't do anything to make you happy, God. They asked the question versus make the statement. They said, should I give you my first kid? I mean, what is it going to take, Lord, for me to be right with you, for you to be happy? And God's basically saying, look, in verse 8, you missed it. Let me simplify it for you. Let me simplify it so you can understand that I, my faithfulness runs much deeper than what you're understanding. He says this, uh, let me simplify it. I want you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What, what's God doing? He's connecting their faith with their actions. Because our actions indicate what we really know and believe. And if we know God and are saved by God and love God, then our actions will reflect it. Our actions were, I find it interesting also in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 2, uh, God says, these are the people that I find favor with. It's very similar. Check it out. That was Friday's BRP reading. But I love what God says. He just says, look, I desire some simple things. Act justly, love mercy, 
walk humbly. I like it because it's not ambiguous. It's really practical. So let's just walk through them. I mean, uh, God says, if you really love me, you will do justice. Uh, Justice is not about vengeance. Just like discipline and punishment is not the same. Justice comes from a Hebrew word that means to make right. How about that? Vengeance is based on anger towards an enemy. How about this is how it works out. Uh, Vengeance perpetuates a cycle. Justice closes a wrongdoing. That's how you know the difference. Okay? So let's make it practical. If someone has been wronged by you intentionally or unintentionally, do you make it right with them? Intentionally or unintentionally, do you make it right? How about if it wasn't you, but it was by somebody else? Remember the story in Luke 10? That was what the whole story was about with the good Samaritan. Listen to me. And this is what we see. It doesn't matter how much you know about God if what you know doesn't move you to action. That's the whole story of the good Samaritan. That's what we're reading about from Micah. Who cares about the great buildings if your life isn't changed and different? Okay? So here's my questions for you. Do you make things right with the people around you? Do you live with an intentionality to care for the marginalized, the oppressed, the overlooked, and dare I say, your enemy? God's people do. This is the intervention. Not only are we going to do justice, we're going to love mercy. Mercy is a Hebrew word, hesed, which means loyal love or loving kindness. As you know, grace is... uh, Getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. And I mean, if we think about it, um, we deserve hell by our actions. I deserve hell. Let me make it about me. I deserve hell based on my actions in the past, my, my duplicitous heart that I wrestle with now. Listen, I deserve hell, but God's mercy is shown to me through his son, Jesus Christ, that if I will repent of my sin and trust in him, I can live eternally with him forever. At its core, mercy is really about forgiveness. Do do you realize we're not capable to show forgiveness and love until we understand how much God has forgiven us? The amount of mercy we give, this is in your notes, is a reflection on how much mercy we think we need. So let me ask you some questions. Are you merciful with people who have wronged you? Are you merciful? And can I say everybody has had somebody wrong them? And it could be your spouse. Are you merciful? Do you live with an intentionality to not hold people's sins against them, but lovingly work to restore any and all relationships affected? God's people do. This is the intervention. Not only are we going to do justice and love mercy, we're going to walk humbly with God. Humility at its root is the word hummus. Uh, Essentially, it means from the earth, lowly, staying grounded. Humility knows, how about this, where it came from? And so walking humbly with God is really about our attitude and our action toward God. It's essentially saying that as I walk with God, I'm not going to let the things I experience get me too big for my britches. How about that? But I'm going to remember that it's only because of the grace and the mercy and the love and goodness of God that I am what I am and I am where I am. Walking humbly with God is essentially acknowledging that we actually bring nothing good to the table. So we submit to all of God's plans and his will to use us 
as he sees fit. Practically, it means, how about this? We will always submit to God over our way. You remember the scripture actually says, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end will lead to, how about this? Humility keeps our pride from getting us killed. This is an intervention. Do you recognize that you have no better plan than God's plan? Do you see that the only way you can accomplish anything of worth is by allowing God to work in and through you? God's people do. The bottom line for Christians is this, our actions reveal our belief and all Mike is trying to do for the children of Israel is get them to be honest with where they are because the bottom line is their actions were not aligned with their belief and it was confusing people. And he's saying, matter of fact, just to push it a little bit further, if our actions, whatever our actions are, reveals what we believe. And if what your actions are saying is true, then we don't believe. This is the intervention. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. Your word is so good, and yet, Lord, it can sometimes get so deep. But it's not meant to hurt us, Lord. It's meant to help us. It's meant to pull us back into right relationship with you, Lord. Thank you for the prophets of old. Thank you for your word, God, that, that somehow so beautifully can just re- reveal to us in creative ways like this courtroom setting today, Father, of how we can pull it right. And God, I thank you that it's not your desire that we would be gone astray. But Lord, it is your desire that we would allow your grace and your mercy to overwhelm us. And for it to change us, Lord. Because you don't want a people just to gather in big buildings and sing great songs. Lord, you want a people that's on mission for you. And Lord, as we live our mission, Lord, we don't want to cause confusion but we want to bring clarity that you really are who you say you are. You are living. You are active. Lord, you are a healer. You restore marriages. You restore broken homes. You restore families. You redeem the lost. God, you are so good. And God, it's our heart, it's our prayer that today as we leave, that Lord, our actions would be so in align with who you are, that Lord, people would just be drawn to you. And as a result, Lord, their life would be changed. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church family, if you'll stand to your feet. You know, I don't know exactly how you need to do this ending here. I do know this is that the Lord would want you to be right with him. And that's my prayer for us today too. If you're not right, would you get right? You can stay where you are and make it right. But we'd love to pray with you in that process. Maybe you're saying, well, I'm not fully right because, you know, I'm not even really a part of a body of believers and we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to help you be a part of this family. Maybe you're not right because you haven't taken that next step for, for salvation. We'd love to pray with you for that. Maybe you need to take your next step of baptism. We'd love to pray with you for that. We'd, we, look, we love you. Yes, this was an intervention, but it's not just for you. It's for us. And we're so thankful to God that he loves us enough 
that he allows us to make it right. Would you make it right now? Come as we sing it. Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.